from the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. Which, Jim, I really, I say it every time I'm here, Buffalo should be more like Indianapolis as a city. Just such a nice, clean, walkable, fun city. And not to down talk Buffalo. I like Buffalo. But, I mean, you've got this convention center that's connected to, like, everything. You can, like, walk all over the city and never have to go outside. That's something I think Buffalo could use, you know? It's, that changed everything. The capital, it's beautiful. The You're exactly right, though. It changed everything in Indianapolis. When you could, when you realized and how they designed it, that you could always walk and not be outside. Yeah. It, exactly. it really is pretty well designed. And I used to live right across from the convention center on Pearl Street in Buffalo. And it, I used to think about that. Like, right there is that convention center. And if you, boom, Chippewa's right there. You could, you could have all the restaurants and right. bring the combine, combine to Buffalo. And, and <laughs> Just have a few indoor walkways that cross over different blocks and yeah. different streets. And it just changes the dynamic of everything. Throw a few good steakhouses in there and the world is your oyster or your shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's. However you want to. Yeah. Be careful on saying good. Be careful. Be careful on saying good steakhouses. It's. Yeah. It's a little over the top. The quality. There's there's a lot of quantity. I don't know about quality. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I'm still That's waiting for the... the best steakhouse in Buffalo to reopen, Tempo. I don't, if any listeners out there know what's going on, I mean, I don't think Tempo's up and running yet, is it, Jim? I don't think. I don't know that for sure. Yeah. Um, That's a good – I like that, though, because best steaks in Buffalo, be a good one some night. All right. We've got much more important things to dive yeah. into because, you know, sometimes at Combine, at com- during Combine week, there's really not a lot happening, and – you know, we're all forced to discuss the amount of bench reps that Eric Fisher out of Central Michigan puts up or something innocuous and trivial as that. That is not the case uh, this week where you have very real, very substantive, newsy items to get into. I mean, really, franchise-defining decisions on the line here for the Green Bay Packers, the New York Giants, the Baltimore Ravens. Chicago Bears with the first overall pick and your Buffalo Bills, if you're listening here in Western New York or there in Western New York, Jim. Leslie Frazier. I mean, what a bombshell that was. He is not going to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, Apparently stepping away, Brandon Bean said, he informed the team a week ago, stepping away on his own accord to kind of refresh, reset, and get back into coaching in 2024. And Bean wouldn't say if that's in Buffalo or elsewhere. We're going to get into everything. um, Leslie Frazier, everything Aaron Rodgers, everything Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's what's crazy. Like the the biggest domino of them all could be Lamar Jackson, depending on which tag the Ravens place on him, which if it's the lesser – they're telling the rest of the NFL, all right, we'll take two first-round picks if you want to give him whatever money he wants. Um, so I don't know where you want to start, Jim. My head's still spinning from writing off of this all at GoAlongTD.com. Check it out. Uh, but what in- what intrigues you the most? What, where do you want to start? I have a personal connection with the Bills. With Let's start with the Bills. So we talked about before with when Al Holcomb was hired, 
that was kind of a known – it was between Al Holcomb and Leslie Frazier. That is who Sean was deciding on to be his coordinator when we interviewed Sean back in 17. Um, he worked with Al closely in Carolina. And at the time, Al Holcomb had only coached linebackers. He never was a coordinator. So that would have been his first time as a coordinator. So I think Sean decided, you know, let, let me, I need some experience. This is my first time as a head coach. He, he coached under Leslie and Philly. They know each other, respect each other experience. I think won out. That's, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm assuming that's why Sean picked Leslie over Holcomb back in 17. But Al went to Arizona with Steve Wilkes as his defensive coordinator. So he's been, and he was actually the D coordinator in Carolina this year when Wilkes took over the, as the interim head coach. So Al Holcomb has now had that experience. He's ready. He has what Sean wants. He knows, he knows the defense. They, they work hand in hand together. Sean needs somebody he can trust. To, that's his baby. The defense is Sean's baby. And he has to have trust to give that up so he can handle the other duties that come with being a head coach. Now, the personal part of Al Holcomb that I really like, Al Holcomb started his career at Bloomsburg University, was the linebackers coach when my father was the offensive coordinator at Bloomsburg University. I was going to school at Bloomsburg University. I was a little bit older. I told you it took me a little longer to get through but Al Holcomb and I he was coaching I was going to school there but we were we were pretty close I mean there was some good um there was some good PlayStation battles going on you know there might have been some gambling going on on those games I mean Al Holcomb and I had some good battles back in the day so I'm looking forward to hit he, he, you know him coming to western New York um just so I can see him again and but I can tell you this the Bills got a guy that is he's a hell of a football coach like I do believe that I've known him his whole coaching career. I've seen how passionate he is, how he teaches. He wants to, you know, he wants to make players better and they see that they'll buy into him. I think it could be a seamless transition. If that is what it becomes for Sean and the bills defense from Leslie to Al, I think it'll be seamless. I give Sean credit for, you know, at least being ready for this. What we don't know is if is Leslie Frazier being forced out or not? That's really the question. My reaction, my initial reaction is yes. Uh, much like Eric Bieniemy um, moved on in KC, and how many times have I told you that we knew that because when Matt Nagy came on, that was all taken care of. Al Holcomb gets hired about what about a month ago. He got hired, and all of a sudden, Leslie Frazier needs a little time away. So. You know, the conspiracy theory for me in the NFL thinks there's more to this story than, you know, just Leslie needed some time off. But either way, I think Sean has a really good replacement. Beautifully put, Jim. Uh, I I, I want to learn more about Al Holcomb because that's a name that nobody's talking about today and they should be. But first, Leslie Frazier in this departure, that was my gut reaction, too, because look at all the turmoil on this staff. They're rifling through assistance with, in, 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 a, in a strange way, right? When you win a lot of games and you win divisions and you compete for Super Bowls, typically your assistants are getting promoted. You know, the position coaches are becoming coordinators. You're seeing a lot of lateral moves, a lot of contracts running up and coaches leaving. Uh, Chad Hall this year, the wide receivers coach. 
beloved. He is no longer the receivers coach in Buffalo. He is the receivers coach in Jacksonville. Sean McDermott was asked about him today, and he Texas two-stepped his way around that question, and <laughs> it was a great dancing number out of Sean McDermott, if I may say so myself. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's weird um, that coaches in Buffalo don't want to coach in Buffalo. They want to go elsewhere. Kind of a theme. Remember, uh, Brian Dable tried to – tried to poach Ken Dorsey as his offensive coordinator. And that, that was a real decision for Dorsey to make it. At least it seemed like it was pretty close. And Daniel Jones, how we thought about him then as a quarterback is a lot different than how we view him now. Anyways. Yeah. I Obviously we'd be guessing, like you said, and trying to put the tinfoil hats on and, you know, and, and, and figure out, okay, what, what, what's a conspiracy, what conspiracy has some weight to it. But it reeks of it. I mean, six years of really good regular season rankings and a lot of playoff defeats, playoff meltdowns. Um, when it happens again and again and again, people need to be held responsible. Um, Sean McDermott runs the show. And Leslie Frazier is his defensive coordinator. It It sure would seem like it's a force out especially when it happens a month after you bring on an Al Holcomb who almost got the job way back when, as you know, it's funny. Cause the timing, the timing, if Sean felt like this was like the timing of Al Holcomb being available may have urged this to happen. You know, if, if Al was the D coordinator in Carolina under Wilkes, I don't know, you know, we don't know, you know, if Wilkes got the job in Carolina and kept Al, that's what, how I should say it, as the coordinator, does Sean keep, does everything stay the same? Or does Leslie Frazier still need that break? You know, I think that would be the key, is the timing of Al Holcomb being available. Right, and it's, and, and Brandon Bean did say publicly that Leslie Frazier would be the team's defensive coordinator in 2023 I mean, if he wanted to be. Yeah. So we've got to take people at their word. You know, this is what they're saying. He also did say, you know, on the line and the, the, the release that was put out ahead of these press conferences by the team that Leslie Frazier or the team said that Leslie Frazier plans to return to coaching in 2024. And when asked if, that means Buffalo or another team. Brandon Bean said I, he is not sure. So it obviously is another team somewhere else. He's out. It's very strange. I mean, this isn't normal. However you slice it. Sean, you, I mean, uh, Sean McDermott's going to take on a larger role with the defense, right? Out of all of this, maybe he calls plays. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think we – rightfully assume he already had a pretty large role over the defense I, I, that, defensive head coach. That's what we would need to know. I don't know what his role exactly is now. My guess, and I'll, I'll say it again, it's his baby. I know this. I felt very, just as a scout, you know, my heart was with the college draft more than it was on the pro scouting side with free agency. I enjoyed the free agency part, but Honestly, there was so much with free agency that scouting was like, you know, Micah Hyde that year. I mean, who didn't want Micah Hyde? 
that was a matter of, you know what I'm saying? That wasn't some great scouting job. He was already an established good football player. It just, that becomes free agency becomes money matching where that player is at in his career and what he's looking for money wise for the most part. Jordan Poyer would be the opposite of that, where he wasn't unknown in free agency. We had some knowledge with um, Babbage being on the staff and had him in Cleveland. So we had a little inside knowledge on that. And it gave us a little confidence. That was more, that was like a fun free agency find. I would call that a really good free agency find where Poyer, you know, he made his career in Buffalo. Don't know. I had a great quote the other day too, about not seeing the sun. I've been thinking that in Buffalo, you never see the sun. Um, but anyway, just made me think of Poyer. But my point he, is he this. He got a lot right. I, was, I mean, that the taxes, hey, he's just, yeah, he, he's he saying what a lot good. of players say privately with that. He hit some good check marks. But my point was, I always, the, the college draft, and it always, it, it's just always my passion and love. And that's how Sean feels about defense. And that's, that's why I know he will always be involved. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean. Heavily. You, like you heavily would hate involved. if this is a scapegoat situation, right? That that would be the soft move here. If, if Leslie Frazier is being made out as a scapegoat, then that would be um I would think of lame Tyler. as a for a defensive head coach. I think I think if you're just if you're a if you're further away from the situation than both of us are, sometimes like on this one, I know you know, I know all these guys. Yeah. Sometimes I want to believe, but I think if I'm just an outsider looking in on a team I didn't know, I'd be I would be like, wow. That was a little force out on Leslie. And if it all works out, if the defense – look, they, they have to make changes. They have to do something because what's the definition of insanity, right? I mean, if you're just going to throw the same team out there, the same schemes out there, the same passive coverages out there against Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes – you know, you got Justin Herbert coming on, Trevor Lawrence, all these guys, and it's it's not going to work. So, and and you don't really have money to go out and pay up for a, a free agent defensively. Um, you want to improve from from within. You've been drafting defensive players constantly, and most of them have not panned out. So you, you've got to change something, right? So may, maybe this is that change that they're hoping sparks playoff performances out of this defense. And you could talk about 13 win regular season, regular seasons all day. I, I think fans are, are are tired of it. They they want to see this team bust through because they know these Super Bowl windows come and go. You know Al Holcomb. Um so however this went down and we're trying to make sense of it like everybody else is and we really don't know. I mean if we're taking them at their word, Leslie Frazier wants a break and he's taking his break. So okay. To, to push it forward than an L Holcomb, what kind of defense would he run? If, if he's got a larger voice, if he's running the show, if he's, you know, coaching this defense up, what, what, what can people expect? They can expect exactly what Sean McDermott has used every single year. That is Sean's defense. Al knows how to Al Sean trusts Al to run the defense the way he wants it. I don't know how much he'll trust Al to call the defense the way he wants it called. He can teach and install the defense correctly. 
And that's the biggest thing for Sean. During the week is when all the teaching and install goes on. You have to trust your coordinator to get that right and then to call the game. And where where did things take a different path? Because, I mean, Sean McDermott hires Leslie Frazier, right? I mean, the, and, and yeah. he's a defensive head coach. He's putting in the defense he wants, X's and O's wise. Like, at what point did it go a different direction and get off the rails? Then it's you made some good points. There was some there's some personnel stuff going on there. Hmm. I mean, up front isn't they've they've tried up front. The Von Miller injury obviously made a difference, and then right, he's out till what at least November. So you're not going to have him anytime soon. Yeah, we talked about this before the Bengals game at Fatty Beer. We talked I, I the secondary to me is a concern. Those safeties are Poyer was never the fastest. I talked about this. He was Hyde father time catches up to everybody a little bit. He was never the fastest. These guys are, you know, now you have corners. Look at their corners. Trey White, he was not that we got it. We got to wait till next year to see if we get the same Trey White, because that was tough coming off that injury for him. He fought, you know, he gave you everything he had, but it didn't look great. He didn't look natural. He didn't look comfortable yet. So I think that secondary has some major um, things they need to address. You drafted a corner in the first round, Kyrie Elam. You got to get more out of him. I would agree. And that, here we go now, back to the personnel. It's changing. You're starting to analyze. This is the first time. And we've talked about this too, but this is the first time that Bean's drafts are getting analyzed. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Joe Joe Shane, who was Brandon Bean's yeah right hand man, yeah. he, he said it at his press conference today, which was honest, refreshing. Um, you can you really got a sense for a GM trying to kind of navigate the middle ground in terms of. Sorry, I had to hit mute and cough. Uh, in terms of uh, you know, seeking and signing a quarterback, he, he said, "Look, you, the, the the core, the crux of everything we do around here is is the draft, because you add young players, you get them on cost controlled contracts, as he put for four years. I like cost control. That's huge. I mean, if you can just get production it's- out of cheap players, it's just good business." And the Bills have had, oh, they got what, five drafts now of start looking at some of these players. Who's really panned out in terms of the, the, the top three, four rounds? Uh, Tremaine Edmonds may walk in free agency. Ed Oliver, eh. Greg Russo looks like a good one, but I, Epinesa, Boogie Basham. Um, there's a lot in Kyrie Elam, we'll see. A lot yeah, of question marks. More, there is more to see. And we can't write off Elam. And, and, you know, I think those other guys are what they are. I think we know they're – I think that's a mix of just okay players. Rousseau intrigues me still. I think there's more to him, him coming. Um, those other guys just seem like high-effort players that are replaceable. That's the way I would say it. You said about cheap. If we could change that – not say on the cheap. Here's how I look at it. Because you're yeah, right. A little harsh. Well, it's not harsh, but here's how I look at it. I mean, I, I say it this way. The reason it's so important for GMs and for Joe to talk about it for the draft is because that is a team 
friendly contract. And it's team friendly because that's how it's been set up for the players to earn earn that next contract where you so I to me it, it kind of is a good balance of hey it used to be way out of whack right you would draft a guy and he was set for life and if he wasn't good which we know <laughs> first round picks aren't guarantees that's how hard the draft is this is a very to me it's fair it's team friendly to start earn it boom I, I think it, I like the way it's set up now but to your, your point is correct you want to hit you want to hit while it's team friendly. You know, if, if just to put a bow on the Bills talk, Jim, if there's a path forward for this team, I think everybody out there who's a Bills fan is trying to find a reason to get excited, optimistic about 2023 when it just ended in such a anticlimactic thud to the Bengals where you're just thoroughly beat down. It was nothing like the 13 seconds game where – I mean, it's back and forth. It's thrilling. And, and you had a team that could win it all. I mean, I, this team, it, it felt further away from the Super Bowl after the Bengals lost, way further than than it seemed a year prior. But if there's a path forward, if there's something different, something new to get excited about, I think it has to be a philosophical change. I mean, lean into what you have that other teams don't have, and that's Josh Allen. Lean into your freak of a quarterback, Go for it on fourth down. All the stuff we talk about all the time. Try to outscore your opponent. Stop drafting defensive linemen in the first two rounds. Draft a receiver. Sign a receiver. Just go you know, Go for broke, right? Like, stop playing scared. Stop coaching scared. Just tr- try to win shootouts. I, I don't know if, 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 you, if you make that 180 uh, with a defensive-minded head coach. But I think that's the path. I, I think that's what can get this team over that final hurdle. And uh, I, I don't know how many times you need to see these playoff losses. But are, I mean, what do, what do you think? I mean, is can because they're not going to be able to go out and just sign a high priced free agent wide receiver. Hmm. Um, that big sweeping free agent acquisition just isn't going to happen this year. It happened last year with Von Miller. And he might have been the player that got you over the hump. Who knows? He was hurt. It it just seems like something is going to have to change from within. They made those changes defensively. However, it went down now with with Frazier on his way out. They've got to have a better draft class. But just lead in to what you do have. And, God, try to win a shootout. You know, I haven't looked enough at salary money and spending for free agency. I don't even know what the bills are capable. Like, I don't know who they would be targeting. I I'm just being honest. I haven't, I haven't studied that enough to even guess, but I got to tell you nothing. Everything is on the table for the bills right now. I promise you that like nothing would surprise me. A big name, a a big name receiver wouldn't surprise me. They were really? scrambling at that position. Nothing would surprise me. Nothing. They know, they know this window is now. And whatever, that's that's in that inside that building is how they're discussing this now. They know where they think they can go draft-wise, what, what positions are heavy. But that leads you sometimes to, you know what, in free agency, I, hey, let's add this guy to Josh Allen. You just don't know. So I would, and the way they are, uh, 
I can, I feel like they're ready to, to your point, And you really brought this out with the coaching changes and things aren't the same right now. Like they are making the bills are ready to go. You know, they're ready to adjust They're They, they agree. It's time to make some moves. And you, you always do hear from these, these coaches at these podiums. I mean, Mike McDaniel said it earlier today, Joe Shane alluded to it. There's such a value in, in continuity. And you, know, you you could tell that Joe Shane was happy that his quarterback's coach, um, Jay Tierney, didn't get a coordinator job. Or he's like, we got our quarterback coach returned, and he interviewed for a coordinator job. We've got Mike Kafka back. Mm-hmm. We've got defensive staff coming back. Like, you want that continuity. Uh, Mike McDaniel in Miami, I mean, everybody on offense has just been cycling through systems and coordinators. They're having continuity for the first time. So when you don't have it, I mean, they've got a lot of turnover behind the scenes. We we saw the change from Dayball to Ken Dorsey, what it did to Josh Allen's game. I mean, it, right now it almost looks like Dayball was Josh Allen's Mike Holmgren to Brett Favre, like a, a coach who is going to harness and accentuate this unbelievable right arm and, and reel you in and, and know how to use it. We'll We'll see. Um, it's a tricky balance because it's like, you don't, you don't want to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Can't, can't um, so you you got to change stuff up, but there is a value to everybody sticking around and being together mm-hmm. and learning and growing and figuring stuff out. I, where do you lean on that? Cause I, I can remember, you know, when it's you and Doug and Rex and we heard a lot about continuity and, and needing to see this through and work together and but you got to make changes and they got to be the right changes so this is really easy for me i started with the eagles from 2000 to 2000 like four it was continuity nfc championship every year they went to the super bowl i wasn't a part of that super bowl team but same staff it broke after the Super Bowl. Like that's when that's when it, the the Eagles, that's when the Harbaugh's, the Rivera's, the Childress's, you know, when they started breaking away from Andy Reid. I forgot. It was Pat Shermer. I mean, it was about six or seven guys. Uh Spagnolo. I, I mean, it was it made, all these guys, Leslie. All these guys were head coaches. New Orleans, same staff every year. Super Bowl hits. We start losing some here and there. Dennis Allen goes head coach. You know, we start losing guys to coordinate. You know, we lose some guys, but not many. Yeah. Continuity. I go to Buffalo. Hurricane every year. Who's coming? Who's gone? Is Marone leaving at the Christmas party? Is he not? Are we hiring Rex Ryan? Are we hiring Adam Gase? Are we hiring Hugh Jackson? Okay. It's, it's like we get Rex. Okay. Let's, let's make this work. It was a circus. We all know that. And I'm going to be perfectly honest on the, on the personnel side too. It was, it wasn't organized either. There was a lot going on on both. It was just, what do we always talk about? The four pillars, the ownership was in place. The Bagulas are the right owners to win a Super Bowl with the GM and head coach have to be tied up. They weren't when I was there. They are in Buffalo. 
The quarterback is in place. The Bills have it set right. They have to strike. They have to get to the Super Bowl. This is it. That's probably the question that one of us should have asked McDermott or Bean. Are you concerned about all of the changes to the coaching staff? Right, you don't I mean, have I think the, a, the I think clown nature yeah. of a Rex Ryan regime very where he's going to mm-hmm. waltz up to a microphone and a Clemson helmet, you know, and eat, eat a dog biscuit, you don't, you, and jump out of an airplane at Niagara Falls but, Airfield. But I don't that. <laughs> but but this is it's a lot of changes to your staff, right? There's a lot behind the scenes that publicly you're not hearing much about, know much about. It's all kind of kept behind closed doors, but it's a lot mm-hmm. of changes. A lot of people moving in and out of jobs, and that's not going to benefit the on-field product. Wow. It's uh, you're in, you're where everything is going down right now. Like right now, this time of night, this is where <laughs> things, this is where jobs are getting lost, won. Like there's a lot of things going on right now. Scouting staffs are getting talked about by their GM right now. The new GMs that have come in. Hey, we're, you know, this guy's contract's up after the draft. Hey, I know this scout. I'm telling you, everything is going down right now. Like, there's more to it than just the draft. And here I am in my hotel doing a podcast with you, Jim. That's how much I love you. I tell you what, I'd rather do this than be a part of any of that that we've talked about. This is, (laughs) I, I promise you, that was fun. This is better. This is better. Absolutely. I'll be out there soon enough to try to, you know, pick up some newsy nuggets to share with our readers and our subscribers. You, That's you, where I got to plug in a marketing, right? GoLongTD.com. You got to subscribe to hear what happens here in Indy. Go long. And I mean, what you've done with Aaron Rodgers right now, let's get in, into it though. Let's, let's transition. I mean, are you over it or no? Let's do it. Um, so, yeah. You tell Aaron me, you, you, you read you were at Gutekind's press conference. Yeah, I uh, was at Brian Gutekind's press, co- press conference, asked a question on Jordan Love. And I, I think the takeaway, and, and wrote about it at the site, is how different his tone, tenor, the nature of his responses was this year as opposed to the last two years, where before it was always, we're never going to trade Aaron Rodgers, we're never going to trade Aaron Rodgers, we're never going to trade Aaron Rodgers. He's an MVP quarterback. Now it's all options are on the table. Now it's, you know, he's asked point blank directly, do you want Aaron Rodgers back as your quarterback? I mean, it doesn't, there there isn't a softball that's floating up into the air as easy to hit as that. Do you still want him to be your quarterback was the verbatim question. Here's Brian Gutekind's answer. Our feelings haven't changed about Aaron, but we need to have some of those conversations about our team and where it's going, where he's at before we go forward. Immediately after that, he was asked, okay, how do you feel about Jordan Love? Quote, we're excited about him. I've expressed to a lot of people that he needs to play. That's the next step in his progression. He needs to play. You see, he repeated himself. Jordan's done a great job. He's worked really hard. So he's doing everything we're asking. And then um, l- later on, I asked him, all right, you know, where, where did he take this jump year two to year three? Because that's kind of what we've been hitting on um, in our podcast with, with Bob McGinn. And as everybody knows by now, Bob was the first to report Green Bay is moving on from Aaron Rodgers. They're embracing Jordan Love. It's, it's happening. This is where they believe. This is where they stand right now. 
that Jordan Love could be Aaron Rodgers 2.0 and they're done with Aaron and they're moving on. And that's a big change from making Aaron Rodgers the richest player in the sport one year ago. So that's why I asked Brent Gutekinds today, all right, where, where did he take his biggest jump year two to year three? Quote, the comfort and the offense and the confidence in it is the biggest thing. He was making quicker decisions and letting it rip a little bit more. He was thinking less and playing more. He didn't get a lot of opportunity during the season to go out there and perform. But when he did, we thought he executed very well. I just know watching him through practice, not only in the offseason last year, training camp, but into the season with how he approached the weeks, there was a different level of intensity week in and week out than there had been prior. And I thought that was telling that he's that this is what Steve Calhoun said too. He attacked this past year like he was the starter and poured himself into every game plan oh, like he was do. the starter. He's That's done everything actually... but play and start week to week to week. And I really got the sense from Brian Gutekunst even more today. He is 100% ready to get a return on his 2020 first round investment that was Jordan Love, quarterback from Utah State. Well, just the way that uh, Brian answered those questions directed at him and answering, he's still our, or however he was using the word our, we, um, you know, our feelings haven't changed. We want to, you know, we want to believe, we believe in Jordan Love. He's using all that. I'm with you. I think he's ready for Jordan Love. Brian is too passionate about scouting he would not have been a part. He would not have wanted to draft Jordan Love if he didn't want to see him play. Him saying it's time that we need to see him play. Yeah, they want to see it. <laughs> That's a really good point that I don't think anybody has spent two point seven seconds talking about. We pour our hearts in the first. Yes, where he comes from. What, what, yeah. What's his foundation as a general manager? And Bob was told it's it's he's making the call here. He's the general manager, and he drafted Jordan Love. So what's his background? Where does he come from? He's a product of Ron Wolf, Ted Thompson. You've been out on that scouting trail alongside Brian Kudikins. How passionate is he about just the the hunt for talent as a scout? And he – this is his big swing, right? This is what will define him. Drafting a quarterback in the first round when you have Aaron Rodgers on your roster, that, for better or worse, that will define you. He knew it when he made that pick. And if it's his call, you want to see what you have. You want that player to see the field now that he is ready to play. And he said again and again today, he needs to play. He needs to play. So, yeah, what was it like out there with him, Jim? As a scout, what, what, how, how would he kind of attack the profession? He's too calculated and passionate. To your point, when they drafted Jordan Love, that was their stamp to say, this is how I came up in the business. We took Aaron Rodgers when we still had Brett Favre. And they that was their, and he grew that's So Gutekus grew up like that. And of course he's paying attention to how are we going to replace he that has always been on his mind. We have to be ready to re- replace Aaron. Aaron wasn't at playing at the highest level. They he obviously 
saw what he needed to see in Jordan Love and had the passion for him, I think he wants him to play. I think Brian, I've been around Brian enough to say, and I trust, I, one thing I trust too with Bob, I've learned from you. Like, I mean, there's, there's something to this. And just the way I feel like Brian spoke today. Yeah. I think Brian wants this to happen. Because if, 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 if you really did view Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, if Aaron Rodgers wants to play football, you would just come out and say it. And that after Bob had his report, you heard from Jeff Darlington of um, ESPN, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, immediately come out with, well, they they want Aaron, you know, if if Aaron's bought in in so many words and kind of poo pooed Bob's report. I think the term overhyped, they viewed this as overhyped, was used. Well, obviously the Packers are going to push back on something like this because it hurts their trade value. Mm-hmm. I, I I think people sometimes need to hit pause and turn the brain on, you know, they don't, they didn't want this out. So they had to push back and you already saw Darlington today on ESPN start to backtrack, start to backpedal, calling this a breakup saying this sounds like two, two sides that are trying to make it an amicable separation as opposed to two sides trying to come together. So, you know, obviously I'm going to defend my friend, my mentor, my coworker here at Go Long Bob again, because I know the hours and hours and hours he pours into this job. And this wasn't some out of nowhere, random comment on a podcast. This is rooted in conversations with people in the know, with intimate knowledge of the Green Bay Packers deliberations and plannings for 2023 so we're just kind of seeing it all happen and it's 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 delicate it's tricky you know green bay first they need to even hear from aaron Rodgers. he's taking darkness retreats and they still haven't talked to him beyond a few text messages and who knows if he's just going to go on mcafee before he even talks to the packers you got to talk to the guy and and make sure yeah he does want to play football um I think we all assume he will, but I guess you never know. And then you have to get something for him. I mean, then you got to figure out the money aspect of it, you know, how much money's getting offloaded to whoever you trade him to and what's the trade compensation. So there's all this other stuff. So, and that's why Brian Goodkins does have to be a little careful with what he says. But the fact that he doesn't come out and declare with a iron fist and slam the podium, of course we want Aaron Rodgers. We're never trading Aaron Rodgers like he essentially did the last two years. Since he didn't do that, I think you, you heard everything you need to hear. It's Jordan Love's time. How much planning goes into a press conference like that, Jim? Like for a GM? No, no. They, they're they prepared. I mean, they're going to go through. I Because I, here's the thing. You could spin his answers so many ways. Yeah. We have to focus on the fact that Carr has not signed. Actions. I think that's the point. Look at look at the yeah. actions and inactions more than because the words. Two teams right now that are ready to pounce on Saints and the Jets are going to pounce. Right. Could let me ask you something. I, this is something that would be insane. I don't even not insane. I don't even know what if it would be possible. But could they trade Rodgers to Denver for Russell? So basically, 
here's where I'm going with this. And then Green Bay could just start love and Russell's the backup because you're going to have the, I mean, either way, you're, you're going to eat them. Your, your money's going to be eaten up somehow. I was going to say, that's a, that's a lot of dead money that's being exchanged here. I, well, I'm saying, I wonder if it could equal, if it kind of equals out and either way, like if there's ways that it. I think Denver's stuck. And anyway, I, I mean, I, relation, this is one thing. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, I can't picture, I just can't picture Russell Wilson. <laughs> I just I don't understand. Jets still why make a lot of sense. The Raiders make sense. Yeah, I just don't understand why Coach Payton wanted that job, other than other than an incredible amount of money. Yeah, yeah. No pressure and no pressure. There's no pressure for him to win. All right, I went off on a tangent. Um, I would. Lo- I'm ready for it. I'm ready for love. I mean, you know how much I love Aaron Rodgers, but I'm over. Like I said I can't defended anymore if i'm i'm with and brian might feel the same way in green bay he might be just like enough like it's it's enough you know i the only thing that kills me on this the only thing that's hard for me from the football side and i know i talked about it before but i still think if rogers was really into it i still think his best chance to get to the super bowl is in green bay NFC, fewer elite top end quarterbacks. Hard to argue. I I think Green Bay's roster is still solid, but it takes it it it, it takes an admission on his part and a realization that he needs to change. And is Agreed. he going to change at thirty nine? I, mean, I think we I think we saw the proof last year. No, he, he, he blew the offseason off. He didn't go to OTAs. He's still trying to operate off of hand signals and audibles at the line of scrimmage with rookies that, you know, their heads spinning on a top. Like, but you, he didn't. You saw it. That three-game stretch of Giants, Jets, Commanders, I mean, he threw the ball more than double the amount of carries that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined for. So there, like, there's your answer. It's all in front of you. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not necessarily reported by nearly enough people, if I can add, Jim. Hey, sorry, I'm going to get I, I might start getting a little uh, rough around the edges in that department when you hear, you know, some of the flames that were directed Bob's way after that report. Mm. We'll see how this shakes out, obviously, but. No, it, it a lot of things make sense, but I, you know, man, I would be I would be spent if I was Brian Gudikas. I mean, that's it's enough. Like, because you you do there's so much that you need to know right now with free agency and the draft. This is the time when GMs need we need an answer here. Like, yeah. we need to know. There's so much more that I just want to get into with you, Jim. But I think we need to uh... yeah fire up another podcast for it because don't want to do a, a disservice to Lamar Jackson discourse, Daniel Jones no, discourse. No. It takes draft. I mean, teams have massive decisions to make. So let's cut her off right there. Um, incredible insight. Frazier, Holcomb, Bills, 
I don't know. I, I don't even know where I stand. If, 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 if you do need to make all these changes, if you should keep people together, it's, it's fascinating debate and the bills are making a lot of changes. We'll see if it pays off internally. Thanks a lot for making time, Jim. And thank you everybody out there for listening to the podcast. Rate us, review us, share this episode. If you enjoyed it, that's how we keep this thing growing. Thank you.